Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. have a seat. You can have a seat, man. Hey, um, I just want you to know that this last week, it was awesome to have Derek fill in and uh, just have him preach. And I love listening to Derek's messages. They're, they're just, they're good. There's a lot of wisdom that he has uh, going on in that. And so I just want to say this uh, again. I, I really do. I love him with all my life. I love him and his family, and they are just phenomenal men and women of God. So, um, hey, uh, the second thing is what he does, it allows me to go and really do one of the things I love, and that is just investing in church planters. And so uh, I just want you to know last week, um, I was in Tampa. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know you hate me. Um, it, it did get cool down there. It got like to 72. But um, it got to 42 one of the nights. It did, honestly. I was actually cold, and they were laughing at me because they knew I was from Minnesota. And they're like, how in the world can you be cold? And I said, I, dude, it's literally, it was like, you know, you know I, was, I was poking through my shirt. I said, do this. But anyway, um, oh, come on. That's funny stuff. Lighten up in here. I'm going to tell, like, really inappropriate jokes if, if you don't lighten up, all right? So um, Heather told me them all, and I have a whole list of inappropriate jokes. How many know that's not true? All right. You know us. If you don't know us, my name is Chris. I'm the lead pastor. This is my wife, Heather, my better two-thirds. And uh, it's just an honor to worship Jesus with you this morning. It's an honor to look to his word. And that's what we're going to do. Um, last week, though, we had 30, right for this, 30 different projects that you and I are all behind. We send, actually, missions fund to all these churches. And so last year, we actually helped launch, ready for this, in 2021, during COVID, somebody, come on, we helped and invested in over 211 churches start last year in 2021. Year before that, 2020, we, we helped launch 211 churches in 2020. So it just one off. It's like, come on, somebody, come on. It's awesome. Um, here's the other thing. The other thing is this, and that is this, we call it CMN Launch, CMN, it stands for Church Multiplication Network. And so uh, I get the privilege of just going down, it's a room filled with my heroes, those that are risking everything to go plant a church for Jesus, and they, it could fail, it could fall apart, it might go, what? they have no idea, but they're putting their life on the line for Christ. Some of them are rural churches, urban churches, multi-site churches, mega churches, they're, they're all different, all different levels of the faith, because how many know you can go to heaven from any church, Right? It's just through him. And so here's the cool part, was last year, 212. This last week was the first event like this uh, with our organization for the year, and we already have 30 churches getting ready to launch already. Like this in January alone. Come on, somebody, are you awake this morning? I was in the South. I'm bringing the South with me, all right? That's why I was 16 below this morning. All right. So we're talking about Peter. And Peter in this story is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. And so today we're completing this, and then we're doing something totally crazy next week. Um, and I say totally crazy, but I want to say it with this. Next week, and I, I mean this 100%, if you, you need to rearrange your schedule to be here, and you know I never say that. If you miss next week, the next day or the next hour, you are going to be asking other people in the church, what, what's going on, what, what? That's how you don't want to miss next week. And so I'm just, I just want to lay that out. I'm going to share that more here a little bit later. 
Um, but Peter, one of my favorite stories in the Bible, Peter is here, he's fishing with his brother Andrew, Jesus calls them, they leave, they follow Jesus, they become followers of Christ, Peter then confesses Christ before any cool, you know, crazy miracles, and then what does Peter do? He walks on the, he walks on the water, come on, shout it if you know it, he walks on the water and then he sees Jesus transfigured and glowing, he's up there with James and, and John, uh, Jesus' two, three best friends. Then he has his feet washed by Christ at the Lord's Supper. And then what does he do when Jesus is, you know, going to prison, fulfilling the call? He takes the sword and what does he do? He slices off the soldier's ear. I love that story. And then after all of this, Jesus dies on the cross and these people come over to him. And this was the, the video that we were going to watch. And in the video, what happens? You know the story. And if you don't know the story, I, I didn't either for a long time. But what happens is so crazy because Peter saw the miracles of God. He saw Jesus transfigured. He saw all of this. He walked on water for crying out loud. And then these people come over after Jesus you know, is dead. And they say, hey, didn't you know him? And what does Peter say? I, 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 didn't, I didn't know him. And then they asked a second time, Peter... You have the same accent they have you. Can I tell you this? You cannot disguise your accent in Minnesota in Tampa, Florida. Okay, you can't. I didn't even know I had one until last week. I didn't even know, and they were laughing at it. Well, then Peter says again, no, I, I didn't know the man. And then he's asked a third time by those around him, and he denies Christ a third time. And I tell you what, that like breaks me because I'm going, you've experienced the miracle power of God. You've experienced Jesus. Like, like you got to hang out with the guy that I worship and I, I don't get to hang out with him physically. It's a faith walk. And, and yet you hung out with, you walked on water, dude. Not Minnesota. You walked on like actual like water with waves and yet you denied him. And I look at that story and it's just so mind boggling to me because I don't know about you, but it's so easy to cast judgment on Peter real quick. Like, Peter, bro, you're an idiot. Dude, what were you thinking? You were hanging with Jesus, the son of God, and you kind of missed it. You denied him in his hour of need. Like the hour he's dead. And you're like, yeah, he's dead. I, I, I don't know who he is. And denies him. You know, maybe we could be easily offended by Peter. You know, why would he do that? If we were hanging out with Peter and, you know, we were friends. Not that anybody gets offended nowadays, but I tell you what, back then, they probably would have been offended by it. You know? Or maybe they were hurt by Peter, but not as much as Jesus was. Who did Peter hurt the most? It was Christ. It was Jesus. Why? Well, because they had relationship. They were hanging out, man. And I, I wish so much that I could go back in time, get in my DeLorean, hit 88 miles per hour, go back in time and get there around that time they're hanging out and just listen to those campfire stories they're sharing. The stuff that we don't get to read in the Bible because we can't have an exact replica of every conversation they ever had. So we have a few. And I just would love to go in those circles and just see them hanging out, talking about like their favorite meals or Peter sharing with Jesus. Like, I thought she was cute and this and that. And like they had those conversations. I don't know about you, but the Bible, I want the Bible to become so real to you and see that they had relationship with Jesus because of the countless interactions they had. He was with Jesus all the time, hanging out. They, Jesus knew everything about Peter, and Peter was starting to get to know Jesus. He even confessed Christ before he denied him three times. Now, I want to share with you a scripture in the Bible that's super scary. This is, this is literally like one of the scariest Bible verses I know. And it's 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. It says this. Paul writes, 
having a form of godliness, talking about the end times, people are going to have this, have a form of godliness, but denying its what? Okay, everybody say it. Denying its what? Yeah, okay. So having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and then says, have nothing to do with such people. Okay, how many of us have ever denied God's power? We should have nothing to do with ourselves. Right? Okay, maybe you're... Anyone here ever denied God's power? No? I have. Okay, you're a better person than me, some of you. All right? Scariest verse in the, in the Bible. But Peter had relationship with Jesus. And I go, you know, if we had relationship, like Peter had relationship, I hope I wouldn't deny him. But I hope we would never find ourselves displaying a form of godliness. Peter lived it until this point. And then P- Peter gets confronted by these people saying, hey, aren't you one of them? No, I don't know them. And all of a sudden, his godliness takes a whole different form. I'll give you just a couple of thoughts here this morning as we wrap this whole series up. Theology, which just means the study of God. Theology can teach you how to memorize the menu, but that doesn't mean you'll ever taste the food. Let me unpack that for you this morning. Theology can teach you how to memorize a menu, but that doesn't mean you'll ever taste the food. See, relationship is the taste in the food. Let's, I'm a food guy, okay? I didn't get this awesome figure by not liking food. I love food, man. I love, oh, man. And like good Chinese food, come on, come on. Somebody, can I hear a good amen? amen? God is good all the time, man. Good Chinese food, oh, you know? And, uh, you know, we live in St. Francis, yo. We got to go a ways to get good Chinese food, don't we? It's a commitment. So imagine you commit to go to good Chinese food, and the best Chinese food around here, the restaurant's name is? Okay. Um, wow. All right. So we go to your favorite Chinese restaurant, and we get there, and just imagine this. And, and what's that one down in Fridley that starts with a T, that like ginormous buffet? Exactly. So you know, all right. So teppanyaki, and I don't know if you ever been to teppanyaki. I wouldn't say it's my favorite, but they seriously have more Chinese food there in there than you know what to do with. And imagine you walk in there and you see everything laid out for you, and you're like, "I'm just gonna look." And you're, and imagine this: you have spent the last two weeks without any food. You're starving to death, and you're like, "Looks pretty good." Orange chicken over there. Mm. Sesame chicken over there. And come on, somebody, Singapore noodles with shrimp. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. And you're like, you're just looking at it. You're like, that looks so good. And then you leave. See, that's theology. Relationship is when, dude, you get every single plate you got in your hand. You got it held in your knees. You got it head back. You're just digging in. You're going for it. You even like, you go in front of the guy in front of you because you're like, that's my egg roll. And I don't know if they're coming out with any more. And you just grab it and you take it in and you're like, man, now I get to eat. Now I get to see and experience that God is good. Okay. There's a difference between knowing about Jesus and actually knowing him. How many in here know Prince? Anybody? Anybody know Prince? Like you knew him, knew him, knew him. All right, I know about him. Purple rain, purple rain. Yeah, you know, you know, purple rain. Come on, and, you know, and, and we know it's not. We're from Minnesota. Well, I youth pastored in Eden Prairie, and his niece came to my youth group, and so I would ask her a little bit about her uncle, and she's like, I don't even know him. He's I was on tour. He's out. I don't. I don't know anything about him, and I would talk quite a bit. I didn't know him. I knew about him, and I would say the majority of the relationships we have. In Christianity, I would say the majority of us know about, I would say the majority of us know about Jesus, but 
sometimes we miss out on that buffet table. Peter had it. I've missed out before. And it's so easy for me to cast judgment against Peter because he tasted it. He smelled it. He dipped that egg roll. I don't even know what that sauce is they make, but it's so good. Chinese food, the Chinese cooks, they know how to make sauces, man. Oh, my goodness. I'm so hungry right now. All right. I can't. I need to stop talking about food. First Peter 1.3, though. Peter wrote this later on in his life. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is after he denied Christ. In his great mercy, that's not getting what we deserve. He's given us new birth into living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. What happened? That relationship turned. Jesus never gave up on Peter, even when Peter gave up on Jesus. Not one time. See, there's a whole new Peter we hear from. Filled with confidence from a loving God. It wasn't self-confidence. It was God-fidence, right? It was God-confidence. What happened? What happened? What's, what's real godliness? Not just displaying it, but lacking the power it has. Well, like Peter, and again, Peter was not perfect. He denied Christ. It's to this, okay? Second, adjust our lives to Scripture rather than adjusting Scripture to our lives, okay? And, and I think the time where we go, oh, man, I don't, ripping that out. I don't like that part of the Bible at all. I don't want to read that because I feel convicted. Like, I'm just going to skip that book, you know? And usually for me, it's the book of James. I just go right by it, you know? If if you're not familiar with the Bible, book of James, man, it'll just in your face. And I just don't like that. I'm not an in-your-face kind of guy. And so I'm like, I'm going to go to like the Psalms. Like David's just, you know, releasing his heart, you know? And I'm like, I'm good with that. But James is like... If you got faith and don't display it, you're going to hell. Like, oh, I just, you know, I, I'm going to just pretend that doesn't, even though that's God's theology, that's God's word. But why is that important? It's because of the relationship, you know? So I don't want to adjust scripture to match my life. I want to continue to match, you know, adjust my life to match scripture. That's my desire. It's take, and I'm not perfect by any, any stretch of the imagination. You know, and I had this thought, my sin the things I get wrong, the crap I do, the stuff buried in my heart that nobody knows. And yeah, I would say only Jesus knows that's in my heart. I can use it all for two different things. Okay. One, I can use it as an excuse to not have a relationship at the level he wants me to, or I can use it as motivation that not as an excuse, but that I need rescue. It's one or the other. It's either an excuse or it's rescue. Where are you at? You're going to continue to use your sin as an excuse or to use it as an as really motivation that you need rescuing. Jesus, come to my rescue. You know, when I, uh, I first became a Christian, I didn't grow up in church. Most of you know that. Uh, if you didn't, I'd love to share my story with you sometime, but really didn't enter a church until 17, and I entered a weird church like ours with hands raised, and people actually enjoyed being there. It was weird to me because I thought church, you had to go, and people hated being there. This was a whole new experience for me, for people who like church. And I get there, and I'm watching these people, and I, I gave my life to Christ at that time, but... What happened was this, Jesus loved me, and yet there was a bunch of stuff that Chris was dealing with, some addiction stuff, some, some real powerful you know, stuff in my heart that God had not yet dealt with, and yet I was still going to receive eternal life because I knew him as Savior. He saved me. Here's the deal. You know, you look at the, the guy that died on the cross next to Jesus, how much time did he have to live out his life with his whole new theology? None. Jesus like, hey, today you're going to be with me in paradise. That's him as Savior. What the person on the cross never got to experience was life with Jesus as Lord. And so when I was 21, I knew Jesus as Savior. He met me right where I needed to be met. And then at the age of 21, 
God convicted me powerfully through the Holy Spirit. Um, some stuff I had to get right in my marriage with Heather and I early on. Some stuff I had to figure out. I had to, I had to realize what is my motivation in life. And, and I got a hold of, of Jesus not only as my Savior, but as my Lord. Okay? It meant to live for him as Lord. And to be honest, I'm, I'm in a kind of a new phase of my relationship with Jesus that I love. Not perfect, not, not there. I still wrestle with all of that. But I used to think that was it until last week. And actually, we were together with these church planners, and I you know, already had this plan, but um, we were worshiping, and I realized during this time, and I'll tell you what, I love worshiping with you when we're worshiping Jesus together on a Sunday morning. Our, our team has done just a fantastic job of, of entering into the presence of God. There's something really cool when there's a bunch of pastors, and we had about 60 to 80 of us in a room, all pastors that are going, God, we want whatever you want for this world today. Help us. Help us lead in the best way possible. And there's just this expectation that, that is just crazy when you have that in a room together. And one of the songs we were worshiping called Jesus King. And I've called Jesus King so many times, but I realized I haven't lived it like that. I've lived as, you know, with him as Savior. I've lived as him as Lord. But learning to live as he is my king is a whole new concept. I'm still figuring out. I don't, have, I don't have anything more to tell you, just that I'm in that right now, processing what that looks like and how that's different than Lord. As the king, you do what the king says. You lay down your life for the king. You go before your king. You do what the king asks, like a whole just different place. And I think God wants to bring us all through that. I think he brought Peter through that as well. It's easy to judge Peter for his denial. So easy. But I want to make a huge claim statement. Don't, don't rush the stage and hate me. But haven't we all denied Christ at some point in our life? Think about it for a moment. Haven't we all? Be careful to ever say you haven't. Because our sin, in my opinion, I'm going to go deep with you just for a moment, is evidence of a lack of surrender. Okay, anytime we sin, it's evidence of a lack of surrender and hence a denial of him. Anytime we sin, our sin draws us away from God. It'll never draw us to God. And so in that moment that we sin, that moment we make a mistake, and we all do, I do, it's going, I'm going to follow that as my king rather than him as my king. When we do that, 1 John 1.8, if you don't believe me, it says this in the Bible. It says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. None of us are better than Peter. Okay? Any of you ever walked on water? So he maybe is better than us. I don't know. Okay? I've never walked on water but I think God meets us where we need to be met. We're no better than Peter, but we're also no less than Peter. Why? Because you and I are children of God. We're children of the living God. Peter, you know, one of the apostles, they were challenged constantly by Jesus, just as I think we are today. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, read this. I love this. Read it with me. It says, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I don't know if you know the level to what this scripture means. And I want to encourage you, if you don't know to the level of which it actually means, don't go study it because it will scare you. Because it literally means I will give my life to follow Christ. That's scary stuff. Peter did, but he still denied Christ because he was trying to protect his life. And what does Jesus later say in that chapter? He says, if you gain your life, you what? lose it. If you lose your life, you gain it. And this was, this was what was happening in that relationship. See, Peter got it wrong at first. He thought he had to protect his life to save it. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter was redefined and eventually led the church through the greatest movement in history. You realize that, okay, truth be told, 
You know we're having church because Peter had the first church service? If it wasn't for Peter starting the church, denying Christ, we're going to talk about the redemption side of this in just a moment, but if it wasn't for him doing that, you and I would not be here in Minnesota having church together on Sunday morning in America. Like, I know it seems so far removed, and what's the Bible? and all? That's history. That's our history as a church movement. It started with Peter. You see, what did Peter have to do? He had to deny himself. And I just want you to realize something, that self-denial, when we say no to ourself, it's not self-annihilation, but it's allowing Jesus to actually redefine you. Look to the screen with me for a moment. There wasn't a robot in the real story, by the way. I'm just FYI. I love that cartoon, man, and I'm not a cartoon guy. Go search the first one, okay, where Peter denies Christ. But here it is. Three things happen to Peter. And I don't know if you caught them, so we're going to read it together because the robot like goes and time travels with these kids to see the Bible events. So those kids in the, in the Bible, they're not there either, all right? Just Jesus and Peter are hanging out here after his resurrection, and they actually have this conversation. This is historical, okay? They weren't cartoons. Jesus is real. Peter's real, all right? John chapter 21, though, read it with me if you have a Bible. If not, I'll have it on the screen. It's verses 15 through 17. When they had finished eating, see, Jesus loves food. Amen. Come on, somebody. Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? What Peter say? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, then feed my lambs. So that's the first time he asked. Second time again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Jesus said. Then take care of my sheep. The third time, here's the third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was now hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things or everything, depending on your version. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times. Where else do we see three in the Bible? I know, you know, we see the denial here three times first. But where else? Jonah and the fish. Jonah's in the belly of a fish for three days. We see later on that Paul lost his sight before he was Paul for three days. He had to go to somebody and have him lay hands on and something like scales fell off of his eyes miraculously. That was three days. 
And what about the resurrection of Jesus Christ? On the third day, he rose again. The third day. You see, I believe there's a lot more going on here with Peter and with Jesus than we get to see. And so I just want to give you what I think is happening here and what I believe is happening. And uh, I think it's super applicable to you and me. So the first time that Jesus asks him, hey, Peter, do you love me? Hey, you, 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 Jesus is asking all of us this today. Do you love me? Jesus is asking you that. No condemnation. Doesn't care where you've been. Doesn't even care what you were doing five minutes ago. He's asking you that. Do you love me? And so the first is there's this repentance. Okay, big word, I know. But repentance is just a turning away. You're going towards something and you literally walk away from it. You go a different direction. Peter did that. Second is this. There was repentance, but then there was reconciliation. Another big word. What is reconciliation? It means removing any obstacle in the way. Jesus wanted nothing in the way. Well, what was getting in the way of the relationship between Peter and Jesus at that time? Was it anything Jesus did? Or was it Peter's shame and guilt? Yeah, it was in the way. Jesus never accused him, never condemned him for denying him after his death. I mean, come on, that should be freeing for somebody here this morning. And then third, there's repentance, reconciliation, and then there's the restoration. Complete restoration. This is, this is ready for it. Restoration literally means the improvement and expansion of a relationship. If you just know about Jesus, he can't do that and expand on what's not there yet. He expanded on what was there, and he renewed this relationship. He restored it completely between Peter and Jesus. And let me just say this. If you're here today, maybe you've grown up in the church and you're going, I just don't even know if I believe in this anymore. And this, Tell him that. He already knows. Say, God, meet me where, you need, where I need. He'll meet you there. Maybe you've said some things you regret to God. Maybe, I, I don't know, maybe you've done some things. I don't know, I have. And yet God still will utilize you. God will meet you at that place. You just have to be willing. Okay, that little voice, you know, sometimes we call it intuition. Sometimes we call it, you know, a gut feeling. That, that's literally the Holy Spirit working in your life. Well, Pastor Chris, I'm not a believer. Holy Spirit is not a respecter of whether you're a believer or not. He's a respecter and cares about your soul and will work in you and on you at any time. And so allow him to get a hold of you, whatever it is he's trying to talk to you about. Peter denied Christ three times. And then we see how many times did Jesus forgive Peter here? Three, come on, how many times? Three times. Why? Didn't, couldn't Jesus just do, done it once and that was good enough? Yeah. So why did he do it three times? Because that's how many times Peter needed. He had denied three times. And so I think, honestly, in the back of Peter's mind, what was happening, this is Chris's guess, this is not theology, is that Peter's going, yeah, you forgave me of that one. And then Jesus asked again, he goes, well, you, you got two down. And then Jesus asked again, and that's why we see him. And I love it in the cartoon, he falls to his knees in worship to Jesus. We don't know exactly what happened. But I believe firmly that God got a hold of his heart in a whole new way when there was this realization that whatever he held, God forgave. God now took it. Jesus now took it from him. There's nothing, there's nothing you've done that Jesus can't forgive. Nothing. I don't care what it is. Oh, but Pastor Chris, you don't know. Yeah, I don't have to know. He knows. Nothing. In Rome, 64 A.D., Apostle Peter was murdered. 64 AD. Killed. Ready for it? 
because of his association of his faith in Jesus. Because at that time, he did not deny his faith. Because even if his words at that time, wait for it, you've got to catch this. If you miss everything else I say, I want you to catch this. Even if Peter's words in this moment could deny Christ, his lifestyle never would. Okay? Why? Because he had a relationship with the living God. They walked the earth together. This is what's super cool. If you read outside of the Bible and in the Bible, you see both accounts. If you're a skeptic like me, I love archaeology, I like history. There's so many accounts outside the Bible and the Catholic Church, man. I just want to praise and give thanks to the Catholic Church right now because in the Catholic Church, they do such a great job with what they call St. Peter's life. And they, re- they do such a, God, a good job revering his death, actually. And it's amazing. Read the history on it sometimes, sometime, but... Peter was given one request when he died. And I don't know if, if you grew up Catholic, you probably know this. But he had one request, and that was to have the cross inverted. You see, Peter was crucified for his faith. But he said he did not deserve to die like Jesus did because he felt unworthy. And so he asked the, the Roman guard, he said, will you please turn the cross upside down? And Peter was literally crucified for his faith upside down. Well, where's that in the Bible? I'm glad you asked. Let's look. John chapter 21, verse 18 and 19. When you, Peter, this is Jesus' words, these are in red, were younger and dressed yourself and went where you wanted. Uh, When you were young, you did this. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. This was a complete prophecy of what was happening. It even says that. It says, Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. The very thing that Peter was trying to run to is how his life ended in glory to God. I don't know about you, but I love that. See, there's so much hope in this story as Christ is glorified and as Christ is worshiped. Now, I want to show you a picture of something. You're going to be like, what in the world? What in the world? So just go with me. From how many? Before I put this up here, I just need to ask, how many of you here today um, are artists? Any artists? One? Any, anybody that likes to paint? Any painters? Okay, that's an artist, by the way. All right. You're artists. I'm not. I can finger paint, and I make paper mache that my wife throws away. So that's, that's about it. All right. How many know this is one of the greatest paintings that has ever been painted in the world? You know, who is this? This is the... Okay, we all know this. Why? It's the most famous painting there was. People that are artists, and I'm not one, okay? They think it's the greatest painting. They say it's done so well. All the, whatever went into it was just done beautifully, all right? All of it. Basically, what good artists say is they say, you cannot add anything to this painting without destroying it. You, if you touch it, it's destroyed. You do anything to it, it's destroyed. You know, I think about Peter's life, and I go... Hey, I want to invite my church to get to know Christ and have a relationship with him. Why? So someday maybe you can die for him. I don't know about you, but that's just not sexy. That's not pretty. That is ugly. That's not, that's not attractive. Wow, I want, let me serve Jesus now because I know maybe I have to give my life for him. And so I think what happens, and I'm blaming myself, okay? 
I'm blaming myself as a pastor because sometimes it's like, man, I want the best worship. I want the best kids ministry. If you have the best preaching, if you have the best coffee in the world, if you have the best this, you have the most comfortable seats, if you make it really, really comfortable for Christians, then they're going to give their lives to you. Then they're going to do it. And what happens is us as pastors, us as leaders have perverted the gospel because really the gospel was meant to stand alone without any of that. You take the lights away. You take the piano playing in the background away. You take all of it away. Jesus alone should be plenty because Jesus plus nothing literally equals everything. And I'll show you what we've done sometimes as churches. This next one. This is what we've done. All right? That is not the Mona Lisa. Okay? All right? This is like Mona Lisa. This is like, you know, the millennium version. All right? Millennials version of Mona Lisa. You know, selfie version. This destroyed the Mona Lisa. Go back to the other one, wait, for a second. Can't improve on it. So why do we keep trying to improve on Jesus? Because I think we're scared. We're scared of that commitment. We're scared of the buffet table. We keep looking at the menu in the door going, oh, I see crab legs. That's cool that they're there. Hi, crab legs. Love you too. Yeah. You know, and, and we just, but we never enter the gate. We never go in. Jesus literally says, I stand at the door and I knock. He's knocking on someone's heart today. I don't know who's. Jesus stands alone. Him plus nothing equals everything. And you cannot add anything to improve who he is. Peter lived that life. Was he perfect? No, not at all. He needed Jesus just like you and I did. Maybe you need him in a different way. I don't know what you're dealing with. Maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's an addiction to, to pornography or maybe it's an addiction to, to alcohol or, or drugs or maybe it's an addiction to social media. Maybe it's an addiction to you know, food. I, I don't know what it is, but God's bigger than that. Maybe it's an addiction to bitterness. Maybe you're so bitter about something. Maybe somebody wronged you and you're going to try to screw their life over. Maybe God's trying to fix that in you. You're only hurting yourself. And God says, I have freedom for you in that. Maybe it's stubbornness. Oh man, my wife married the most stubborn husband in the world. All right, you'll get there. I'm stubborn, man. We're in good company though, hon. Maybe it's stubbornness. Maybe it's, disunity or maybe it's physical healing that you need maybe it's direction for your life maybe you're going god i know you're leading me to something i don't know what it is i don't know how it's going to impact my my family or, or my wife or my kids or my husband i maybe god's calling you to make a big move and, and you're just it's freaking you out and you're going i i don't know but i want to tell you this no matter where you're at what i firmly believe is what jesus wants is he wants you to come alive in him can I hear a good amen from somebody? Are you awake with me still? He wants us to come alive in him. I'm going to put this number on the screen. This is what I want to ask you to do. If this morning you're going, hey, Pastor Chris, pray for me. You can put your name in there. You don't have to. But just text this number. And if you want to say yes to a relationship with Jesus, you can do it now. You can do it later. We want to pray with you. You can put your name if you'd like. You don't have to. But we believe firmly if you say yes to a relationship with Jesus, you receive eternal life. That's where it starts. That's where the adventure begins. That's where you get to go into the buffet table and you get to start tasting, okay? Now, it's not all glory. It's not all the buffet table, but that's where the relationship starts. God, I thank you for every person in this room. I pray right now that if there's anybody in here that does not know you, God, before they lay their head on their pillow tonight, they would say yes to a relationship with you. Father, I also pray for anybody that's wrestling with direction, 
or bitterness or addiction or guilt or shame, Lord, or they need physical healing or they're suffering or with disunity at all, would you meet them where they need to be met? God, if you can forgive and build your entire church on somebody that denied you, you can probably help me in my situation. I believe that this morning. I believe that today. And we believe in you. We praise you and we love you, Jesus. Amen. I have one more thing I want to show you, but before I do, can we just give Jesus, it says to clap our hands, all you people in the Bible. Can we do that for him today? This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.